Alright everybody, welcome to the Superflex Super Show. I am James, uh, at underscore James the Brain on Twitter. I am here as as usual with Stompy, uh, at FF Stompy. You can find him on Twitter, Stompy. Uh, what's been new, man? I haven't haven't been on here with you for a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if "as usual" was the right uh, adjective, verb, whatever. I, I don't I don't do the English very well, but it's been a while, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it has been. It has been. I'm looking forward to this, and we have a fantastic guest. We have Matt Hicks. Uh, Matt is is he's pretty much everywhere uh, when it comes to this time of the year because of all the the deep digging that he does into rookies. Uh, but he's also the co-host of the uh, Dynasty Draft Room podcast, which is fantastic. Uh, Matt, you want to tell everybody where they can find your work uh, and kind of what you got going on right now? Yeah, man. I'll start by just saying I'm I'm thrilled to be on here with you guys. I know. We're in plenty of leagues together, and, and we're talking plenty, um, you know, over Twitter. So it's good to get on the airwaves with you as well. Um, you know, my my main source right now is is the Dynasty Draft Room podcast. Um, we are cranking out rookie content. So if I'm saying anything at all that you like, make sure to check out that podcast. We're everywhere: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all, all the good spots. Um, and right now we're doing rookie profiles. So there's about five of those dropping a week, quick ten minute episodes. You know, breaking down individual players. And then I do uh, one one episode a week with Zach Patra, and we talk about the draft. And I do another episode a week with Eric Adams, and we talk about dynasty fantasy football. So, dude, we're hitting it from all angles right now. And uh, if, if you don't mind, I will. You know, I'm taking a big deep breath here tonight because I just finished uh, the 2020 fantasy football rookie guide, which you can get at dynastydraftroom.com. So, you know, that's just kind of what I'm working on right now. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that uh, that draft guide myself. I will be purchasing a copy because that thing is going to be lit. I already know. I appreciate um, so gentlemen, it. Did you just say, hold on, did you just say lit? I did. Oh, my I did. God. I said lit. I'll I'm take gr- my compliments yeah. in any form, all right? <laughs> it's going to be litty, litty, lit, lit. Do you even understand what that means, Matt? I don't. It's going to be I, lit. I work with I work with young people, ah, fair so, enough. you know. <laughs> I'm just surprised James knows what it means. I, I didn't. I had to actually look it up and make sure I was going to use it in the right context. So um, I'm glad that it, it, it went over uh, as, as if I knew what I it meant. I love it. Uh, but guys, we, we're here to talk about rookies, man. And and I couldn't think of two better, two better guys to have on this podcast talking about rookies. I know you guys both do your homework. You both dig deep. So so let's let's look over some of the rookies. And instead of talking about you know all the same old rookies and and you know kind of kind of approaching it the same way, we got three different categories. We got guys you love, guys you're lower on, and a sleeper at each position. And we're gonna start with quarterbacks. Why? Because this is a super flex podcast. So of course we're gonna start with quarterbacks. Matt, we're gonna start with you. Now I know the guy that you love. We, uh, you know, we, we have a show sheet here. You kind of put him in, and you're gonna have to sell me on this because <laughs> this is not someone that I am very high on. So, so tell me the guy that you love. Tell tell the uh, tell the listeners the guy that you love and and why. Yeah, well, I want to preface this with two things. First and foremost, it's fantastic to be on a Superflex show because I almost refuse to play non-Superflex leagues at this point, unless it unless that league has a very Good reason. I'm not playing in a non-superflex league. I'm all in on that, which might be why we end up in so many leagues together, James. But That's um, awesome. I, here's my thing, and, and I didn't want to talk about two. I didn't want to talk about Burrow. We th- that's QB one and QB two. You know, whatever order you want to put those guys in. But I think Justin Herbert deserves to be up there in the conversation, and I think you're going to get him at a discount, even in superflex rookie drafts. 
You're, this guy's probably coming off the board 108 or later because there's so much talent. And I think that Justin Herbert brings a lot to the NFL. I think he's very pro-ready. He has good mechanics. Um, he sets his feet really well. He's got a good release, good throwing motion. Um, he he uh, doesn't. He rarely throws off balance. And when he does, he's actually really effective on the run. So he's got solid mechanics as a foundation. He's ha he's a good decision maker. He's very careful where he puts the ball. Look at his numbers. He rarely turns the ball over, and he's super accurate in the short field. He carries that accuracy well into the deep field. And I haven't even talked about his best trait yet, which is his arm strength. This man can push the ball 60-plus yards down the field. He's got a good zip in the short field. And one of the most underrated traits for Justin Herbert is he actually does have a decent amount of mobility and a decent amount of athleticism. We saw towards the end of the 2019 season, Oregon actually started scheming plays for Justin Herbert to run first. And, you know, I, I, I hammer the table for this. You cannot overestimate the impact that having the ability to rush as a quarterback can have on your fantasy football team. Anytime you can have that upside, it doesn't have to be tremendous. You know, you don't have to be Lamar Jackson to have rushing upside. Look what Dak Prescott is able to do on the ground. You know, even just having enough mobility can really help you as a fantasy football player specifically. So Herbert's my QB three overall. But when you put it into a fantasy football context, you know, it goes up even higher. Okay. All right. So you made your case there for Justin Herbert. And obviously, you watch a ton of film. So I'm, I'm going to deflect here to you, and I'm going to uh, to say that you, you, you won me over a little bit here. Okay. So let me let me ask you one more question, though, according, uh, you know, in, in uh, accordance with uh, the Justin Herbert love that you have here. Um, is there a certain scheme or a certain team that you think he fits best in? Uh, do you think that he can succeed in any type of scheme? Or do you think that there's maybe, uh, uh, you know, his profile fits into a certain scheme maybe a little bit better? Well, I, you know, I do think he's one of the, the most pro-ready quarterbacks in this class. And I know that's kind of, you know, a little bit of a maybe a hot take. But I, I think, you know, he's a four-year starter at Oregon. He's developed mechanically. He, he's shown good decision-making. I think there's a decent chance we see him end up in Miami. I, I think that works. You know, I don't want to see him in a pure air raid offense. You know, I don't want to see him in the Bruce Arians offense. I don't think he gets to 14 anyways. And I will say that, um, you know, in Oakland with John Gruden, how complex his offense is, how complex that is, it's maybe not the best because where Justin Herbert struggles and where you'll, you'll hear the knocks on him. And if you don't like Justin Herbert, you've probably been waiting for me to say this, you know, mental processing, he can at times really struggle to work through his reads, get past that second read and third read, and he'll freeze up a little bit in the pocket at times. Um, and, and so giving him too much on his plate right away probably isn't the best. So I think that if there's a little bit more simple of a playbook now, I'm not saying that that Herbert doesn't have a high football IQ. I just think the learning curve will be higher that way. So I think if you can put him in a situation quickly where you can really utilize his tools and just have that nice floor, um, that, that'll benefit uh, an NFL franchise. Okay, very nice. So a couple places that you think maybe him avoiding um, could could uh, could benefit fantasy owners, at least in the short term, right? So um, yeah. So that's that's you know and that's something to keep in mind you know once these guys get drafted obviously our our uh, feelings on them can change so this is something to kind of monitor with Justin Herbert and see where yeah. he lands and kind of what situation he winds up in so um, stop give me the guy that you love at the quarterback position and and just so you're aware I think Twitter and myself 
are uh, are on board with this one. So so go yeah, right ahead. Yeah, I got super uh, super ratioed on this tweet. Um, just to add on Justin Herbert though, it, like Matt said, his deficiencies are kind of reading the field, getting through his progressions and his eye discipline, all of which are very correctable things. Uh, a lot of things are pretty correctable with just quarter with quarterbacks in general, unless it's mechanics related, then I'm just not touching that. But yeah, with Justin Herbert, he's got all the tools, he's got great arm strength, athleticism, just needs to read the field better, um, which I think is fixable. And and I think he'd be good to sit behind, sit behind a guy for a year. Um, but the guy I like, and, and uh, I, I made this, I, call it a hot take or whatever you want to, but I, I like Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma a lot. Um, and I, I put out a tweet today saying that Jalen Hurts will be a better fantasy asset than Kyler Murray. Now, I should have I should have gotten a little bit more detail there because everybody's like, what does that mean? Does that mean like 2020? And I said, no, I, I did not say 2020. Now I will I will put the caveat that it is in the next three years because he could obviously land in a situation like Herbert where he sits behind a guy. I mean, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes sat behind guys in their first year. It's not unheard of. So in 2020, maybe not necessarily, but in the near future, in the we'll say in the next three years he will be. But I like Jalen Hurts because I mean, largely because of his athleticism, his running ability. I I can I can openly recognize his deficiencies as a passer. He's got some accuracy issues. He's probably not going to be a pinpoint accurate quarterback. More general accuracy. He can overthrow at times. Um, he he has he's a lot of one read and and throw or one read and take off, which he needs to take care of. But his mechanics are there. He can make throws with his arm that a lot of quarterbacks can't in the NFL. He's got great. Um, arm angle. Uh, he's got a great arm in general. So he's got a lot of things going for him. There are some few, th- a few things that he does need to fix and I can recognize those, but again, they're not mechanics related. They're largely reading the field related and, and decision-making related though. Some of it is accuracy um, related, but the main reason that I like him and, and this will come to no surprise to anybody is because of his legs. Um, he, I believe he ran for, he ran for t- oh, nearly 1,300 yards in his senior season at, at Oklahoma. But before that, at Alabama, he ran for 954 and 855 yards. Mind you, starting as a freshman and a sophomore for Alabama. So um, he's got that going for him. And that that should be – I mean, that's why uh, Richard Rebar called it the Konami code. It's a cheat code because he can run. He can make an impact right away and doesn't have to be the – the best passer in the league. I mean, we've seen it, especially over the past few years, starting with guys like Carson Wentz, who not the greatest passer coming out of college, but athletic enough to make an impact. And his coach changed the system around him to his strengths. So to RPO, I believe that was Frank Reich that did that for him. Um, You see it with Lamar Jackson in, in Baltimore, where they shifted their offense around Lamar Jackson from a non-mobile, a very non-mobile quarterback in Joe Flacco. So it seems like the NFL is starting to show a willingness to shift their systems to the strengths of their quarterbacks. So the fact that people think that he's not a quote-unquote NFL-ready quarterback or there's some detractions on his throwing, it shouldn't scare you away from him, in my opinion, because these coaches are willing to adjust their offenses. And he, like I said, he can make an impact right away 
doesn't have to be a great thrower, but can run the ball. And we've seen Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson over the past two seasons be extremely successful with that without being the best quarter throwing quarterbacks coming out. Um, so that's why I like Jalen Hurts. He's also, and I'm, I don't know if Matt, Matt hates this argument or not, but he's also far larger than, uh, <laughs> than Kyler Murray. And I, I get it. Like we can't take away from Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had a fantastic season of over 500 yards rushing, but Kyler Murray is small to the point where he's taken down relatively easily. He's very quick, but he's taken down relatively easily with Jalen hurts. You, you have Lamar Jackson, a little a slower Lamar Jackson. He's six, one, something like that. He's going to be able to score touchdowns, which I don't expect Kyler Murray to do much of in the red zone or even in the uh, inside of the five. I can see Jalen Hurt, Jalen Hurts doing that. So I, I guess for me, it's it's all a, it's largely about that. Though he has progressed as a passer every year of his college career because of his legs, he can. And mind you, this is a fantasy football show. He can, he can be an extremely valuable fantasy asset as early as this year, but probably more so in 2021. Nice. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. I think you hammered home that point. Let me ask you one more question. Is there a situation or a team that you think Jalen Hurts fits in perfectly that you'd like to see him in? I mean, perfectly, no, because, I, I mean, I don't think, mm-hmm. like, if I if I look at these these mobile quarterbacks that have, I mean, Lamar Jackson wasn't in in a great situation, like in terms of his skill set, but he got, or they built that offense around him. Uh, Same with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick, the transition from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes is a huge transition as well. I mean, both are athletic, but Mahomes is more of a that downfield passer type, so they're different quarterbacks. Josh Allen got that that um, team built around around him. Carson Wentz, I've already thrown in there, so I'm not overly worried about situation because even if he has to sit behind a guy for a year, I still believe that if a coach is taking um, Jalen hurts, let's just say in the first two days that they are meaning to build a team around him or him to be the start eventual starting quarterback, meaning that they will be build either, either he, they, they will help him learn the skills that he needs to, or they will build a team to his strengths. So I'm not really worried about situations with Jalen Hurts. Sure. No, that's a really good point. Well taken. I think maybe the, the best situation for him is going to be based on coaching staff and, and yeah. how they're, you know, if they're willing to rebuild around a guy like that. So Well, and, and I want you to imagine this, though. Let's say he goes to Carolina under rule. I mean, the guy's a college coach. He's had to adjust his offenses year after year for quarterbacks. So – I mean, I think that maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that would be a perfect situation because they have the um, quick wide receivers. They have the dump down um, running back right now who will eventually have to get signed. And I can't imagine that Carolina is going to let that go, especially if they have somebody like Jalen Hurts they can get in the second or third round and they have like a two to three year window to win. So maybe that's the perfect situation. Yeah, that might be it. That that makes a ton of sense. So. Guys, let's move on uh, to guys you're lower on, and pre- uh, just just letting everybody know beforehand, I get to see the guys you're going to talk about, and I am lower on both of these guys, uh, just like you guys are. So, uh, Matt, let's start with you, a guy that you are lower on at the quarterback position here. Oh, good. I, I was I thought I might have a fight on my hands here. I don't know. Not maybe this one. Not will, this uh, one. No. <laughs> um, the guy that I'm lower on than than most people here is Jordan Love, and. 
And I will say it, it's probably alarmingly low compared to what some people have him at. Um, right now in my individual rankings here, I have him as my uh, quarterback, I believe seven. I'm just double checking right here. He, he's pretty low for me. Yeah, I have him uh, below uh, Anthony Gordon, below Jacob Eason, below Jalen Hurts. So he, he's pretty he's pretty low for me. And I know... I, I understand. So, so Jordan Love has a lot of upside, right? He can hit all three levels of the field with his arm strength. He's got good zip in the short field. If you go back to the 2018 tape, which is what everybody's going to reference to, he he had a really he had good tape. I will say he had better tape. There were still problematic areas of his tape, but he had better stats. He put up 3,500 yards. He put up 32 passing touchdowns. He only had six interceptions, and this was the year he kind of put. Utah State on the map a little bit. And so a lot of, and then he, he dropped off in his junior year, 3,400 yards. But really the problem was he threw 20 touchdowns, so 12 less touchdowns, but he threw 17 interceptions, so 11 more interceptions. I will tell you that if you flip on the tape, you can find more than 17 interceptions on his tape. And if you flip back to the 2018 tape, although yes, it did look better, you can find more than six interceptions on that tape. He consistently, and it, it, it almost baffles me, how often he finds a way to throw into triple coverage. Like, I feel like he just feels out triple coverage on the field and tries to jam the ball in there. Um, he, he locks into his pre-snap reads uh, at an alarming rate. You know, it, he, he really doesn't progress past a first or second read. He forces the ball into tight windows. Um, he refuses to give up on plays, and that's what leads to a lot of his turnovers. He tries to do too much. It's also worth pointing out that in 2019, you know, Utah State was playing LSU. They were playing Wake Forest. They started playing, um, you know, some tougher competition. And and when Jordan Love came to those games, I mean, his worst tape, in my opinion, was the Wake Forest game. And, you know, I'm kind of giving him a break for the LSU game because that's one of the best defenses in the country. Not a lot of quarterbacks looked great. But for me, I understand the the upside for Jordan Love, but there is so much downside to him. You know, he's kind of getting this, this Pat Mahomes comparison, which I don't think is really accurate. He doesn't improvise in a similar way for Pat Mahomes. He doesn't move in the same way as Pat Mahomes. I think he's, I think Love is a much more rigid player. I think he's actually a lot better of a pocket passer. And I like Jordan Love a lot more when he sits in the pocket, but he doesn't often do that. He flees from the pocket quickly. He feels pressure way too quickly. And it's what leads him to not really be able to progress through his reads really well. And it forces him to lock into those pre-snap reads, like I was saying. So there, there's a lot of challenges for me for Jordan Love. And, and th those who do like him will hype him up. And he'll probably end up going in the mid-second round of your rookie drafts, maybe even high second round. Um, but I'm not touching him. I, I, I cannot see... And you know, you know, I don't like Daniel Jones. I took Daniel Jones at a league last year because there's always a value point. I have a hard time believing that that value point is going to show up in any of my drafts this year. Yeah, and, and that point is well taken as well. I think I, my thing with Jordan Love is I, I see a ceiling. I think I think he has a nice ceiling, but the floor is so monumentally low. He's so raw that I, where I see him going in mocks, it, it's, he's going to play too soon, in my opinion. I think he's going to be forced to see the field too soon. I don't like that. I think it's it, this is a guy who's going to take a couple of years to develop. So um, knowing that, then that's that's kind of kind of my whole argument against him is that um, for him to see that ceiling, I think it's going to take a little bit of him, you know, uh, really maturing as quarterback. 
and uh, and getting the NFL coaching that he needs. But um, okay, so let's let's move on, Stompy. Let's go to you. You have a guy that you are lower on, and again, this this take is going to be embraced by uh, by many on Twitter. I think many uh, many people are going to be very low on this player as well. So, by the way, Jordan Love. Tell me if I'm wrong with this comparison. Reminds me a lot of Jameis Winston. Yeah, that I see. I see much more of that, and and his inability to read the field is really in that high mm-hmm. upside, high um, that boom bust, and that's why a lot of people keep mocking Jordan Love to Tampa Bay because he does kind of fit the Aryan system. But Tampa Bay fans do not like that mock because you know they, they you know it's kind of just replacing him with with yeah. a with a version of him that wasn't a younger in college, a younger one, <laughs> right. Right, and Winston well, and, was more productive in college. Yeah, and and you're you're talking about I like I mean poor decision making, uh, poor reads at times, tries to make too many plays outside of the pocket when he should get rid of the ball, and he's just yeah I I, I don't love him for that, and I I think James and and uh, John will agree that they want to stay away from that as well with that Jamin Wins Jameis Winston cop. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, this one's kind of tough. This this. The guys I'm lower on is kind of tough for me because I agree with Jordan Love. In fact, Matt took a few of my guys on this list. Um, I mean, Jake Fromm uh, seems to be going relatively high in some, uh, or is listed relatively high on some people's quarterback rankings. Um, he's just kind of a meh quarterback. Like he's Alex Smith. Um, now Alex Smith got taken first <laughs> overall, but Jake Fromm just doesn't like. It, if you need somebody stable, if you need somebody that's not going to uh, throw picks, maybe somebody like the the New England Patriots, if they don't sign anybody, then then Jake Fromm's your man. But other than that, there's just it's a low ceiling, high floor type of play, and I just don't think you win Super Bowls with that, um, and and you definitely don't win fantasy championships with that. You need those high upside guys. You need those guys that are going to give you fantasy points. And Jake Fromm kind of reminds me of just like a middle of the pack QB two. Like again, great probably in the NFL just because he's not going to turn the ball over, but he's also not going to really win you games. He's the epitome of a game manager in this class. Yeah, I think Jake Fromm is going to be an excellent NFL backup. I, I really do. I feel like that's his role. He can come in when your starter gets hurt and he can go two and two and he can win the games that they were supposed to win and he lost the games they were supposed to lose. Kinda of, kinda of something like that, you know. That's that's where I see Jake Fromm's role here in the NFL and uh and I don't I don't think I I want any part of that as uh, No, as I would I'm av- I'm avoiding that. I mean like Jalen Hurts I, I mean even Jordan Love really, I'm taking above Jake Fromm because at the very least Jordan Love's ceiling is higher than than far higher than Jake Fromm's. Like Jake Fromm, you know what he is. You're not going to get many fantasy points out of him. He's a good like if if he becomes a starter, maybe a good QB three in Superflex. But other than that, it's just like there's nothing exciting about him. He's kind of like Andy Dalton ish, where it's like, well, he'll give me points, but it's not going to be the most pretty of things. Um, so yeah, I just I, that's something I don't want in fantasy. Yep, I hear you. I'm I'm with you there. Guys, let's let's go on uh, the quarterback position. Give me a sleeper at the position. I'm interested to hear both of your guys' here um, responses. So, uh, Matt, go ahead. 
Yeah, I'm glad you put sleepers in here because I take every opportunity I I can to hype up my man Anthony Gordon at a Washington State. I have Anthony Gordon at QB5. Um, That's one of the highest rankings I've seen. I love Anthony Gordon. Let me tell you, he's unconventional. But when we talk about that improvising element of the game, that shows up a lot in Anthony Gordon's game. So in, in, in the thing to keep in mind, too, is that Gordon is still a raw prospect. So he only really has one season of starting here. He transferred from Juco to Washington State. He pl- he was behind Minshew last year, didn't see any action. But this year, he gets on the field. He plays all 13 games for the, for the Cougars, throws the ball six 189 times this season. He completes 70% of those balls, 5,500 yards and 48 touchdowns. Now, there's something to be said for the type of offense that Mike Leach employed at Washington State, but still, this man was electric. And there's a few players that really make me jump out of my seat when I'm watching tape. And Anthony Gordon is one of those guys. Even if you're not a tape guy or somebody who like really goes in and digs into the tape, just flip on some Anthony Gordon. You know, he's got good zip on his ball in the short field. He really has a good grasp on the short and midfield. He leads his guys around the field very well. Now, I will say that he probably caps out in the 40 to 45 yards where he's comfortably able to throw the ball and lead his receivers. But in most NFL offenses, 40 to 45 yards, you can hold your own with that. He works through his reads very well. Um, uh, Leach's offense isn't necessarily the most simple. You know, he's running a lot of option routes. He's running a lot of seam routes. He's He's doing a lot of meshes. He's really kind of having to read the field. And he progresses through those reads really well. He looks off defensive backs well. Um, and, and this guy is a competitor. He has that fiery attitude. He's not afraid to take the QB draw at the goal line for Washington State. And he's willing to battle back. Uh, the UCLA game, he he ends up coming back and, and leading them back. Despite throwing you know multiple interceptions earlier in the game, he runs without fear, and he plays without fear. It's it's super fun. He's athletic. He's not necessarily like a speedster, but he's athletic. He can maneuver around the field. He's very unconventional, but we're starting to see these guys take hold in the NFL. And, you know, Gardner Minshew's the easy comp because he came from Washington State last year. But, you know, even what we were talking about earlier, the elements of Lamar Jackson, the elements of Pat Mahomes, you know, with Cliff Kingsbury and these types of guys starting to translate to the NFL – Anthony Gordon is a good example of being proactive and picking ahead of the curve. And I'm going to tell you that Anthony Gordon is probably going to show up in the third round or later, even in your Superflex draft. So this is a guy that's probably not going to cost you a lot of investments. And I think he can find his way as a starter on an NFL field. You know, the, the, the word out of the combine and from senior bowl week is that he really impressed off the field. He impressed with mentality in, in NFL teams are, are, you know, probably getting excited that he's still raw. He's only thrown the ball 700 times at the D1 level, and he was pretty successful with that. So this guy, you know, he's got a decent floor, but he also has a lot of ceiling. He's got He's very moldable, and you know NFL coaches love that moldable aspect of players. Yeah, and it sounds like he's got, I mean, with his athletic ability, it, it sounds like he... You know, it's it's harder for somebody like that to be a bust, you know, because there's so much more that you can do with them. So, uh, Anthony Gordon, very interesting. You had me at Gardner Minshew, man. As soon as you said that, as soon as you said that, I figure he he probably learned a thing or two. He's going to come into the league with a stash, and uh, 
as long as he's got that mustache like Gardner Minshew, I'm on board. So, yeah, and um, he's got a, he's got a little bit of a, of that swagger to him. And and I'll tell you, I was not a Minshew fan. I had to come around on Minshew, and I and I'm I don't want to draw a one to one comparison, but you know, I'm I'm not ruling out that type of quarterback this time around. I learned my lesson. Really neat, really really cool. Um, that's a name that we're not seeing, uh, you know, banshee around a whole lot. So, uh, Stompy, give me give me your sleeper, even if it is kind of a. Uh, an answer we've already heard. Do I need to hammer the, I'm going to hammer this home. Jalen hurts really in terms of fantasy. And I said, I said this based off of fantasy, mind you not, he's not going to be a better passing quarterback than Kyler Murray. I agree with that in terms of fantasy football, where how you get the points doesn't really matter. Jalen hurts could be the QB one of this class. Eventually that's his ceiling. Now, Going pretty late in drafts, I, I saw a few mocks with him going in the third. Um, he, I believe, is according to DLF ADP, is a sixth off the board in terms of QB. Let me fifth, but he's going in the back end of the second round in superflex, mind you. Listen, we have seen it many, many times where guys like Cam Newton, Michael Vick. Dak or Dak Prescott's actually a good passer. Um, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, those guys, Carson Wentz, those guys have been successful in the NFL despite coming out not being the best passers in the world, not lighting the fire, lighting uh, the world on fire in terms of their passing ability. The fact remains is that Jalen Hurts has a rushing upside that. Is is hard. It cannot be matched by many in the NFL, and it's a dynamic skill set that allows him to be successful in the NFL because defenses have to plan for that. And that's why I believe that Jalen Hurts can be extremely successful in the NFL. Can be a winning quarterback in the NFL. Can be a top five quarterback in terms of fantasy because of his legs and he will develop as a passer. It will happen. He's been developing as a passer his entire college career. Once he gets into the NFL, he will be better. I, I guarantee it be better in terms of reading the field. Um, accuracy issues. I, it, that's one of those things where it's like, I, I don't think it's a huge deal because if he gets a general, general accuracy, he will be able to, or those wide receivers will be able to catch the ball. Yeah, no, I love it, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, you know, we see it in most leagues, rushing yards. Uh, you know, it's easier to get points for rushing yards than passing yards, right? It's it's easier to get, you know, points for rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns in some leagues. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the rushing upside is huge. He also has that passing upside as well. Um, I, I love it, gentlemen. So wrapping up the quarterback situation, let's move on to running backs. This class is loaded at the running back position, right? So... Let's talk running backs, and again, we're going to get into guys that you love. Matt, I am fully on board with your guy. I can't wait for you to talk about him. Stompy, you're going to have to sell me on your guy. I am coming around slowly on him, but uh, I, I'm definitely still a little lower than most. So uh, looking forward to this conversation from both of you, hearing your guys' uh, you know, uh, arguments for these guys that you love. So, Matt, let's start with you, bud. Yeah, see, this is interesting. I thought maybe, you know, because I didn't put a different running back on this list, I might have to get a little, uh, a little, a little uh, trash from you here, James. But, uh, and I, and I will say before Stompy goes, I, I will, I will back him up if he needs me to back him up on his guy. But 
Um, I'll start with mine, and that's DeAndre Swift out of uh, Georgia. DeAndre Swift was my running back one before the 2019 season, and nothing has changed. He is still my running back one. Now, there are three guys where we could argue to where blue in the face about who you like here at the top of this year's draft. But for me, it's DeAndre Swift. He's electric with the ball in his hands. He can stop on a dime. He hits full speed very quickly, goes 0 to 60 real quick. He has a great burst. What my favorite thing about DeAndre Swift, and we can talk, he does everything well. But for me specifically, what is so exciting is he is able to work very well in between the tackles and outside of the tackles, and then combine that with his pass catching ability. He really does it all, which is why he's so impressive for me. But let's start with in between the tackles. Like I said, he's bursty, he's explosive, he hits the hole quickly, he has really clean cuts, and he has fantastic vision. Second only to J.K. Dobbins in this class, I think DeAndre Swift has the best vision in the class. He follows his blocks well. He identifies cutback lanes. He never tries to do too much. You know, that's that's one thing that running backs get themselves in trouble a lot. He finds the lanes. He When he sees them, he hits them. He manipulates defenders really well with subtle but powerful moves. His ability to change direction is, is really next level here. But even when he's asked to hit the smash, bounce outside to the to the C gap, hit him on the toss, he really can turn upfield and burst very quickly. He's got good acceleration. Now, it's not Jonathan Taylor's speed, but he has good downfield acceleration. And, and once he hits it, he's hard to catch up with. Not many defensive backs are catching up to him. But he's also a natural pass catcher. He runs routes out there, and if you didn't know who it was running routes, you'd think it was a wide receiver. He has soft hands. Georgia used him downfield, and Georgia doesn't even use their wide receivers to throw the ball to, but he was still getting targets downfield. 73 total receptions over um, three seasons at Georgia, and he has fantastic contact balance. He bursts through SEC defenders. He's strong. He's compact. He drags them forward. He never gives up on a play. And I can't hammer it home enough. He was doing all of this, showing off all of these skills. One, against SEC defenses week in, week out. That's the closest thing you have in college to NFL players is playing against SEC linebackers and SEC defensive fronts. And he had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons with Georgia, despite only averaging about 180 carries a a season. Georgia employs a variety of running backs every single year. It does not matter. You know, of all the running backs that have come out from Georgia, that's just the way it works. Whether it's Gurley um, or, or whoever it is, you know, whether it's Chubb, whoever it is, you know, these guys translate to the NFL. So there is so much working in Swift's favor, and that's why he's my running back one. If I'm not taking a wide receiver with my first or – or a quarterback with my first pick, if I, if I know that I need a running back going into the draft, it's going to be DeAndre Swift for me. Yeah, there's a lot to like with DeAndre Swift, and you just made the case for him. He's fantastic. I will say this. I, I know John Hogue, Ethan Turner, and I ha- are, are on board. We uh, we have already said that Jonathan Taylor is the running back one for the Superflex Super Show. So I do have to, to just let the listeners know that Matt's opinions do not reflect those of the Superflex Super Show. <laughs> no, no, don't you dare. Don't you dare lump no, me well, in with hey, that nonsense. Hey, hey. Majority <laughs> rules, buddy, and I already got three of the five on board. So, oh, man. You know, uh, but, uh, but DeAndre Swift's fantastic. I mean, I, it's almost like 1A, 1B for me. Uh, I mean, the, the both those running backs, I think, are so, 
so good. And DeAndre Swift, you just made the case for him. I mean, he's fantastic, and he, there's really no holes in his game. And that's the one thing that you really like is, you know, he's such a good, uh, good a pass catcher out of the backfield um he holds up in blocking uh he's he's a fine runner um so that's that's really the great thing about deandre swift so i am fully on board with deandre swift rb1 rb1 yeah 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 stompy uh let's get to my rb5 that you have that you are in love with here sell me on cam Akers, and please 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 let me see if you can do this because nobody on twitter can can you sell me on Cam Akers without mentioning how terrible his offensive line was? No, not at all. Because it's no. it's a main point of of who he was in college. Well, it's interesting though, because a lot of times when you bring up his lack of production the the previous two years, it was, well, man, his offensive line was so bad. But then this last season it was look what he did. He overcame his offensive line. And it was like, well, come on now. We can't use it as an excuse well, for no production two years can't. and then say that No, he he had good production his freshman year, had bad production last year, bounced back to what he was this year. Now, I mean, I, they went from, I believe, ranked 35th or 36th in college um, in terms of offensive line ranks in 2017 to 130th. Now, on Football Outsiders, it says 130th out of 128. I'm guessing it's 130 <laughs> out of 100. <laughs> I, I think that's a little bit of a funny joke, but it's probably 130 out of 130. And then even last year, they were 115 out of 130. So it got a little bit better, and therefore is uh, stash up. That's not actually true. But um, listen, Cam Akers is extremely athletic, extremely dynamic. He just needs to get the chance again behind an offensive line. And you won't find a draft analyst that will not say that because that, I mean, it's absolutely the case is his offensive line was atrocious the last two seasons. Um. Now, I, it, it is definitely hard to explain the difference between 2018 and, and 2019, but 2019, he definitely bounced back to what we saw his freshman year. Uh, over 1,100 yards, um, 14 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, 30 receptions after a 23 reception uh, season in um, 2018, which I think is a huge indicator of success in the NFL. And, and I know uh, Zach Reed has put something out there that's like uh, – I can't remember the number, but basically only like three or four uh, running backs since 2014, 2016, something like that, have caught over 30 receptions in the NFL after not catching 20 receptions in college. And so having 23 and then 30 is a good indicator that he will be successful in the passing game. He was using the passing game, but one of the major things that I like about Cam Akers is he's one of the best blockers and arguably the best uh, pass protector among the running backs in this class. And that will put him on the field early and it will keep him on the field on third downs, which is what I think a, those top end quarter or running backs, that's the reason that they are among the elite is because they are on the field. Most of the time they get receptions. They're on the field in throwing downs. And that's what Cam Akers brings that I like the most. Yes, he's fantastic. He's a great runner. He's a good downhill runner. He's very, he's athletic. Um, but the fact that he can pass block and will be on the field early and often tells me that he's going to be extremely valuable in the NFL. And I actually can make an argument. He's probably top three behind DeAndre Swift and Taylor for me. But that means knocking J.K. Dobbins down. And I'm not about to put that shit out there on the Twitter. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the droves of people that'll come after you if you do that. Uh, yeah, and I am starting to come around a little bit on Cam Makers. I think you brought up some very good points, Stompy, with, you know, the pass blocking. I think a lot of people in the fantasy community just kind of, you know, put that to the side because it doesn't equate to fantasy points. But it does, because like you stated, you know, they're going to be on the field more, which means more mm-hmm. opportunity. So I think that's that's huge. That's something that often gets overlooked by fantasy players that I think it's a, it's good on you to bring up. Um, I, again, I, I, I'm slowly starting to come around on Cam Akers. I did not have him in my top five. He is in my top five now. You made a nice uh, argument for him there, Stompy. So um, I'll give you that. I'm, I'm starting to come around on it. So. Now let's move on with these running backs, guys, to guys that you are lower on. And Matt, of all the of of all the trash that has been put out on here, the guy that you are lower on, man, I I'm I'm I I don't know how you're going to be able to sell this to me because I I am very high on this player. Um, and and Stompy, I'm I think I'm in lockstep with you on the guy that you're well around. So, um, Matt, let's let's start with you. You're going to have to make one hell of a case to turn me around here. Well, I figured I couldn't put Jonathan Taylor on here. So, uh, <laughs> oh man, you don't you don't you don't want you want to be invited back, right? Like we want to have you back. Oh, on. just kidding, just kidding. Well, so here, okay. Well, the thing about the running back class is. I really like this running back class and I don't just like it at the top. It is a deep, good class. And so I really had to latch on to the word lower on. It's all relative. I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire as my running back five right now. He's he's the okay, consensus okay. running back five for the dynasty draft room and the draft guide. You know, he he's good, but I just think we need to take it a little easy. I'm hearing people that are that are getting excited about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, putting him in the in the tier one category. Some people like him more than Dobbins. Depending on who you are, you might like him more than than uh, Taylor. I just think we need to be realistic about where you find the value with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Now, I love Hilaire. I love his tape. He's got good but not elite speed. His other traits, though, really come through. He's explosive. He's athletic. He's got wiggle in his hips. He's got a nice sidestep to his game. He's a creative runner. He's very elusive. Um, He's got decent vision moving around the field. Change of direction and pass catching are really where he kind of he takes his game to the next level. So he's really dynamic. He's fluid. He was used in a variety of ways. But I got to tell you, I cover the SEC um, for, for fan sided. And, and I wrote a preseason article and I predicted John Emery to overtake Clyde Edwards Hilaire in this offense this year. Now, obviously that wasn't correct, but I will say that going into this season, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was kind of an afterthought in the offense. And there was a camp battle between Emery and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Hilaire only won really because Emery suffered an injury. Now that's not the only reason, of course, and, and Edwards Hilaire proved to be worthy of that spot. He put up over 1400 yards this year. But the previous year, he had 658 yards. And so I'm not saying he he's not good because of that. I'm just saying we need to keep his success in context. And we need to just be a little bit realistic about what we're expecting out of the 5-7 back. Um, so I like him. I will take him if he is there in the top of the second round. But from what I'm hearing people say, that they want to take him with the first five picks, with the first six, seven picks. It's it's just not there for me with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, and I think that's fair because, like you, you stated, everything is relative. While I was not on board with this, you know, particular take, I, I do, I do think that when you clarified it and said, "Hey, he's a top five back for me," uh, I, that's good enough for me. I think there's a clear top five here, and 
and and I think you know Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and uh, C uh, C E H Clyde Edwards-Helaire are are pr- probably that top five for most people, and and in whatever order you have them in, and and uh, and I'm okay with that as long as, as long as he's in your top five, I think I can uh, I think I can get on board with that. He's a little higher for me, but yeah, I I think uh, I think that's 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 fair. That's a fair. Uh, um, a fair way to look at it with him, uh, kind of his success kind of coming out of nowhere too. So 55 receptions, by the way, <laughs> in his, in his final good. season. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a great season, not, not taking anything away oh, yeah. from him over 1800 total yards. And keep in mind the fact that there were plenty of guys to give the ball to in that offense. Right. So, you know, he, he definitely earned his workload last year. So. Yeah, yeah, so he certainly did. Uh, Stompy, let's move on to you. Who is uh, the guy that you're well around in this running back class? Uh, it seems to be a guy that was super hyped before the combine until he hurt his hamstring, but Zach Moss, I think the hurt hamstring might be a convenient excuse at this point because really a four six five forty, not far off what, from what I, I would have expected having seen his game speed, I suppose. He's just not a fast guy. Um, and while that's not necessarily an issue, his game speed scares me much like, uh, David Montgomery scared me. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of things that I see with Zach Moss that I think you saw with David Montgomery, great contact balance, um, gets what's given to him, uh, is hard to just very hard to bring down, um, He's 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 a good good uh, reading the field and, and things like that. Uh, okay, re- uh, receiving ability for for a big guy, um, pretty good at, at pass protection. But my concern here is that because he, uh, he he because the NFL is going to be a faster game, his game won't translate because he won't be able to get to the second level. He'll be more of a, a heavy back, a, a goal line back than than something that is going to be super impactful uh, on all three downs. Um, he, he moves well for, for a bigger guy, but I don't know how much that actually means in the NFL. He's not Derrick Henry by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I see kind of a ceiling being like Kareem Hunt. That's going to be tough because I don't know if he's as good of a pass catcher as Kareem Hunt. I, I, in fact, I don't think he's a good, as good a, a pass catcher as Kareem Hunt, but um I, I, I just don't – I see him more as a third down goal line back that doesn't really catch passes, and that's not all that interesting to me in the NFL. Yeah, point taken. I, I think for me there are guys that are going after him, guys like Keyshawn Vaughn, um, who I'd rather have over him. So uh, for me the reason why I think this guy is uh, is a guy I'd be lower on is just because there are guys behind him that I just I, I like better. And like Matt said, it's a, it's a deep running back class. So – um, I don't think I would take Zach Moss where he's probably expected to go in a lot of rookie drafts. So let's move on, guys. Sleepers at the running back position. Give me your sleeper. Matt, I am interested in yours. It's the guy who I've been um, pounding the table for for a little bit here, the first name that you have on here. Um, so I, I'm definitely interested in you uh, sharing that. So, uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Who is your sleeper at the running back position this year? Yeah, this really, to me, is the best running back in this class that nobody knows about or nobody's talking enough about, and that's Anthony McFarland, the running back out of Maryland. Uh, 5'8", 
208. He's got a good size. Uh, coming out of out of high school and in, in heading to Maryland, he was the third best all-purpose back in his class. He was a four-star recruit, um, and he chose to go to Maryland. Um, he he balled out in his first year, 1,034 rushing yards on 131 attempts, and he and he found the end zone four times. And then this is this was his redshirt sophomore year, 2019, and he suffered with injury suffered with a lower leg injury and, and that kind of really slowed down his season. But you remember early on in the season, you know, he balled out against Syracuse, balled out against Temple. Remember Maryland got out to a really hot start in the, in the 2019 season. Um, and, and he was really the offense. And then he started to get injured and, and things kind of just went downhill from there, but he has fantastic straight line speed, next level acceleration. One of the most explosive guys in this class shoots off the line of scrimmage. And when he turns and cuts up field, he is gone. Super light on his feet, sharp movements, and he glides around the field. I don't use that term often when talking about players, but he really, he's slippery, man. He just glides past Big Ten defenders. Um, he's got good vision. He sees the entire field. He navigates easily through holes. He's really seamless when he runs, sharp cuts. And he's and he, I think he does need to refine his pass catching a little bit. He didn't get a ton of pass catching opportunity at Maryland. That just doesn't really fit the scheme and the system. But I think he does have soft hands when he when he was asked to show them. And this is a guy I think, you know, it's rare that, that you're still looking for guys to be better at the next level than they were at college. But I think Anthony McFarland has the opportunity to be a better pro than he was a college player. At the combine, he ran a 4440, 86th percentile. You know, that's obviously fantastic. There's a lot to like about this guy. You know, I, I, I see him as, as a nice 1B for some teams. I don't think he's going to be the guy, but like the example I keep giving is if, you know, Anthony McFarlane ends up in Jacksonville, a team that loves to run the ball and they need to take a little pressure off of Leonard Fournette. You know, he has the ability to be an impact player or, of course, if he ends up in somewhere like Kansas City where he's really going to get to run the ball. You know, this is a guy who I think is going to sneak into the back end of the day two of the NFL draft. It's going to surprise a lot of people and, and he's going to end up shooting up uh, draft boards. Yeah, very nice. And, and I saw a lot of the same things. Very smooth type runner, accelerates through holes. I mean, uh, you, you got to see it in the Big Ten and, uh, you know, especially uh, maybe not last year, but the year previous and in 2018. But uh, but yeah, just, just a fun fantastic athlete is Anthony McFarland. So um, I'm on board there. Uh, Stompy, let's move on to yours. We, uh, you're going to have to sell me on this guy. Uh, this was a guy who I was very interested in coming into this year and uh, left disappointed uh, with, with some of his tape this year. So um, where, who's your sleeper and kind of tell me about him a little bit. Well, my sleeper is, you know, Benjamin, the talk of the 2020 class last season before, before uh, 2019. Uh, had a phenomenal season 2018 um, over 1900 yards from scrimmage, 18 touchdowns, 35 receptions did have a, I guess we'll call it a down season, but still had over a thousand yards rushing um, 42 receptions, total of 12 touchdowns. So it's not like he just fell off the face of the planet. I think a lot set up for him to disappoint this season, but um he does have some deficiencies. I think that that showed up, especially in his 2019 tape His he tries to get cute at times. So he dances, doesn't allow blocks to develop, sometimes bounces things that doesn't need to, that he doesn't need to. Um, the major thing for that many detractors have is his pass protection. So I just complimented cam makers on his pass protection. You know, Benjamin needs to work on his and able to be on the field 
um, as a featured back. Now, like I said, 35 receptions, 42 receptions. So he should get plenty of, of work in, in pass, um, passing downs, but he does need to work on some things that his, uh, running ability, his vision, um, some of his footwork, his pacing, stuff like that needs, needs some work, some things that can be fixed, but in the meantime, he can still make an impact as a pass catcher, um, on the field. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's my biggest thing is as late as he's going, he is dynamic enough that he can make an impact right away. And there are teams who are using maybe not necessarily the best pass pro running backs, but they use them in the passing game to basically disguise that or, or use him as they, as a pass catcher. And that's what, Eno Benjamin is. And he's, he's quick, he's dynamic. And I think that he can eventually be a feature back and he's going way later than he should be in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, it seems like this is a player that may have a role right away, especially in, in the past passing game, like you stated. And, and again, you know, a lot of teams who, who don't have backs that are very good at picking up the blitz or who are good at blocking, you know, in the pass pro, um, you, you send them out, you send them out in a route. And, and, you know, when that blitz comes, you have that safety valve. You have a guy that you feel good about making the catch and making a defender miss to, you know, to gain some yards down the field with everyone coming in. So, yeah, it, it, you know, a lot, of, a lot of teams will use that as a, uh, you know, uh, an alternative to having your back stay in and try to pick up a blitz. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting answer. I think the way you looked at it was very smart. Um, guys, we are running a little long, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the receivers here. We're going to go a little bit quicker if we can, and we're going to go to guys that we love. And, Matt, obviously I'm in love with the guy you love, and I don't think you have to sell it too much because this guy is a stud. So, Matt, tell me, who is the guy that you love here? Man, I love C.D. Lamb. He's my wide receiver one. You know, I'm trying to hype. I.'m trying to be the conductor of the wide receiver CD Lamb is wide receiver one hype train. I started it back in July, and I've been carrying it all the way through. I love that it seems like a lot of other people are coming around onto that train too. He just does everything so well. Um, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep it quick here, but he has quick feet. He's fluid, a really high end lateral quickness. This man is impossible to wrap up. He is so elusive. He's slippery. Everybody has seen the play against Texas where he's wrapped up by five guys and he finds a way out of there. Um, you know, he he's burning guys left and right versus Baylor. He has understated speed, man. When he's running in a straight line, this guy can get downfield. He can burn. Now, he doesn't have the best downfield speed. You'll catch up to him eventually, but he'll get pretty far before that. But let me tell you, in contested catch situations, you're looking at a DeAndre Hopkins-esque guy. I mean, he tracks the ball so well. Sticky hands, extends his body, huge catch radius. This man is an athlete in every way possible, and he just wins. There's something to be said for just winning at the catch point. He has aggressive but subtle hands, and that's why I always comp him to Hopkins. And I don't love comps, and I don't force comps, but for me, the way that C.D. Lamb uses his hands aggressively but subtly at the same time, it's a rare trait, and that trait compares very well to DeAndre Hopkins with me. He wins before the pass. He wins with the ball in his hands after the pass. And let me tell you, too, this man's a willing blocker. He will crack some blocks. If you watch his tape, he finishes some blocks that he doesn't really need to finish. He's driving this guy way further down the field than he needs to. There's not one flaw in, I will say, there is one flaw. He doesn't consistently separate um, on the field. That's his one flaw. But other than that, this man does everything well. 
Yeah, I I can tell you what you've got me on that train that you're driving that CD Lamb wide receiver one train. I'm on I'm on board, but so you you got me on that. Uh, Stompy, you have a name here that I am really fascinated um, with because uh, this is a guy that I don't think enough people are talking about. So um, tell us the guy that you love and kind of what you see in him. Yeah, it's Brandon Ayuk, uh, and he's not so slowly turning into my Hakeem Butler this year, and that being that he's a late breakout but has a skill set that I think is can translate extremely well to the NFL. Um, he's more of a yards-after-catch guy, a, a, a big play yards-after-catch guy. Um, more than a a good route running wide receiver, I suppose. I mean, he's fine at route running, but he's just he can't get off press coverage. Uh, he's not great at hand fighting. Um, so you need to probably manufacture space for him to make him useful to get the ball in his hands, to get uh, into his ability to um, get to the second level and, and create those big plays. Um, therefore, he's probably best suited for the slot where you can manufacture. Uh, manufacture space for him to get the ball in his hands. Um, his yards per reception in college was ranked in the 87th percentile. Uh, his college dominator was 82nd, and that was in his age 22 season. So like I said, late breakout. This was after, obviously, Nikhil Harry left. Um, so basically what it comes down to is his, his strengths are yards after the catch. Um, his weaknesses are very much getting off of coverage uh, and going to get the ball as well. Um, so he's, he's definitely a niche type, but if you can find him in the right, right area in the, on the right team that gets, that's able to manufacture space for him and get the ball in his hands, I think he can make an impact right away. Yeah. Really fun tape to watch too. Um, I, I, I enjoyed watching his tape from this year. That's for sure. Um, so now, now we're going to go on to guys that, uh, that you guys are lower on. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Matt, poor you, because, uh, I, I think Stompy and I are going to drive you nuts. I, I, this is egregious, the guy that you were lower on, and Stompy, I am fully on board with the guy that you were lower on. So, <laughs> Matt, sell me. Why? Why, man? How? How could you? I mean, I feel it's only appropriate that we have these two guys represented in this section, right? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Some, if somebody had to talk about both of these guys, listen, I get it. I get why you might like Jalen Rager, but I just don't see it. I don't see it to the oh, level... That other people see it. Now, I still got him in a decent spot. You know, he's a top 10 wide receiver for me, but I'm not taking him in the first round, which is where I think a lot of people are going to end up taking him. I get it. He is fast, unless he's running at the combine, then apparently he's not fast. But you can tell on his tape. He's oh, he fast. was still he's... plenty fast at the combine. My goodness. Yeah, right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the 64th percentile. No, I'm just kidding. You know, he's fast on tape. We know he's fast. He's a track athlete, he's a track star. We know he's fast. And, you know, he, he moves around the field with good athleticism, good agility. But here's the thing. He might he weigh, he weighed in at 5'11", 206. Dude, this guy is this guy is playing like he gets bullied on the field. Dude, he gets pushed around the field. He can't win a contested catch situation, um, which, which is really problematic for me. I don't see a complicated route tree. It was a very simple route tree that he was running. His routes were a little rounded. I did not like that. Um and, and like I said, like, um, you know, he really gets – he got out-physicaled and outplayed in the Big 12. I have a real concern about how quickly you can translate to the NFL if you're getting bullied in the Big 12. Um, and, and for me, 
Listen, I understand his quarterback wasn't good. If you're a Jalen Rager fan, you're probably yelling at this podcast right now, yelling at me and telling me his quarterback wasn't good. But let me tell you, it was more than that, folks. There were concentration drops and there were suspect hands. And and so it's more than just the bad quarterback. Yes, I agree that plays into it. But the limited route tree, the getting out physical, the, 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 the catching in terms of consistent, inconsistent hands and also inability to win a contested catch, I just think he's going to have a limited role in the NFL and a bigger learning curve. Now, that being said, I think an NFL team is still going to like him. He's going to be a special teams impact player day one. He's going to be returning punts, returning kicks, and he's going to find his way on an NFL field. So if he's hanging around, yeah, mid, late second round, sure, I'll take a shot on him. But I'm not I'm not spending high early draft capital on him. I just there, there's too many red flags for me. Oh man. If we weren't running long, we we'd be here for about 30 <laughs> minutes arguing this out. <laughs> we could do um, an entire episode on We on could, Jaylen we could Rager. on Jalen Rager. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely could. Um and if I didn't like you so much after dropping uh on the last uh <laughs> TDDR going over uh some Jonathan Taylor, I, I, I would argue it with you, but I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to let it go here, and I'm going to go to Stompy because, Stompy, I'm fully on board. And as a matter of fact, I will say this. I will take Jalen Rager over the guy that you are lower on straight up. So, Stompy, who are you lower on and why? By the way, I'm somewhat with Matt here. Oh, <laughs> man. man. All right. Listen, like, he, he ran – he has a very simple route tree, which is a big concern for me coming into the NFL, especially with who I heard that about DK Metcalf too, but go ahead. Okay. Fine. Are you, you're really going to, tr- uh, boy. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead though. Landing him in the light, right situation. Fine. Mm-hmm. They can get him the ball, but he's still not, he still doesn't have the best hands. Like Matt said, still has some suspect hands. Um, and he f- isn't that, like like Matt said, he gets bullied. He's not that physical. And I just I think he can develop, but the hype on him right now is through the goddamn roof. And it's like, all right, let's temper some expectations here. May not be the best rookie wide receiver as he's getting his bearings. Okay, look, I, I this was not supposed to go this way. All right, you you're supposed <laughs> to be crapping on another player here, and I'm supposed no, to No, I agree. I'm just saying I don't I don't hate <sighs> him being Laura Jalen Rager. Like there are some questions. Yes. He's, he's super quick. Yes. He is good with the ball in his hands, but other than, or any, cause he's athletic, but gets taken down relatively easily and doesn't have the best hands in the world. And his route tree isn't great. Those are like three major things. I don't know if I'm so worried about his hands personally. And, and he wins different ways. Sure. He does. He, he can get out physical, but he's also a guy who can win in different ways. He separates very well. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that he, he, I, from what I saw on film, I, I feel like he made some contested catches. So I'm a little less concerned about things like that, but I, I, I will give you that the fact that there are a lot of people that are very, very high on him, and maybe they need to slow their roll a little bit. So I'll, I'll give you that much. I'll, I'm I'm willing to meet you guys a little bit with that one, even though I'm fully on board with Jalen Rager. Um, but let, let's go to the guy that all you right, Sorry. All right. I, 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 I had to pile this. on. All right. All right. All right. I, this is very simple. It's So it's Henry Ruggs, but it's very simple for me. No college production really whatsoever or he did have it but it wasn't what it should have been i mean maximum 746 uh 
receiving yards, maximum 46 receptions. Wasn't really used in like the running game. Wasn't used much in terms of kick returns and punt returns. Which, but that is a, they had four wide receivers on that team that could. So we're stealing his production because that's that's the argument we hear. Yes. Well, that's fine. But if he like, it's basically his his legend right now is built on speed. Other than that, college dominators t- not good. His college. His college yards per reception is fantastic, but he just doesn't have the prerequisite um, production in college. Now, you can compare him somewhat to DK Metcalf, but DK Metcalf at least had production in college in those games. Like he had the adjusted uh, dominator in college. Henry Ruggs doesn't have that. I mean, I, I just, I get the speed, but we've seen so many guys in the NFL come in. Who had who were extremely fast. I mean, the best example in in modern area is Darius Hay- Hayward Bay. Dude was a, a frig stupid fast. Didn't do anything in the NFL. Um, John Ross has, I mean, kind of developed last year, but still ha- hasn't been fantastic in the NFL. Um, I mean, the list goes on. It's just, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Olympic sprinter, had a good season once. Did not do well for the rest of the NFL. You got to, I mean, the, the major indicators largely outside of uh, draft stock, which we know is like the overwhelming indicator of, of success in the NFL is basically college production. It's dominator. It's adjusted yards per reception, adjusted yards per uh, team attempt, stuff like that. And Henry Ruggs just does not meet any of that criteria. And that is a, I, I'm an analytics. I'm mostly analytics based with some film, but he, he's fast. And that's really about it for me. I mean, I just, I don't get it in terms of, he just has not produced. And I don't know what makes people think he's going to in the NFL. Yeah, that was, that was a good breakdown of John, uh, I mean, Henry Ruggs. Uh, same thing. <laughs> um, so, let's move on, guys. We're way over time, so I'm, let's get to the sleepers. Uh, guys, give me your sleeper and just give me a, a, a couple phrases on why you like him as a sleeper at the position. Um, I, I'm on board with both of your sleepers. I like both these guys. So, Matt, um, give us your sleeper and just give us a couple reasons why. Yeah, just Michael Pittman Jr., wide receiver out of uh, USC. I'm a big fan of him. Dynasty draft room overall is a big fan of him. We have him as a top five. We have him exactly as the fifth wide receiver in our consensus grading. Uh, first round rookie pick in non-superflex leagues. So actually that's in superflex leagues. So we are very high on him. I will just say that he's very underrated. He had a great season, 1,200 yards despite three different quarterbacks starting for USC. And despite splitting time with Tyler Vaughn's and Amon Ross St. Brown, So he was really high production in an offense that had other good wide receivers and bad quarterbacks. So he got it done. He climbs the ladder really well. He's athletic enough to compete with defenders. Um, He he gets down the field. He has good route running. Um, He wins contested catches very consistently. Good body positioning. He's great at high pointing. He climbs the ladder. Um, This is a guy that I think is a very well-rounded player. He's getting a lot of hype through the senior bowl, through the combine. He's enough of an athlete to compete. Um, so he he really does a lot of things well. He didn't get a ton of yak opportunities, but he did he did move well with the ball in his hands after the catch. 6'4, 223. 
He's that nice blend of big man size and athletic, um, you know, undertones. And he's not getting a lot of hype yet, but I think after the NFL draft, when he goes uh, high round three, that we're going to be we're going to be talking about him. Wow! Yeah, nice. Had had a very nice combine, like you stated. And speaking of nice combines, Stompy, let's get to your sleeper. Give me a few reasons why you like this guy. Uh, athleticism. Do I have to give a few after that? I'm just kidding. Ran a four four eight. <laughs> ran a four four eight forty. Um, speed score was eighty six percentile. Burst score was ninety ninth percentile. Listen, isn't isn't quick in short area, but long speed is is great, and that's where he's going to excel. Honestly, uh, reminds me a lot of like Brandon Marshall or um, Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, where he's going to be more of a fifty fifty ball guy. Has great hands. Isn't going to like blow a cornerback out of the water, but we're able to go up and get the ball. There was erratic play at quarterback while he was at Michigan. So he didn't get, I think the, the necessary targets and requisite targets to show off his skill set. But I think he will be extremely good in the NFL as that possession receiver, that guy that can go get the ball in the air, can jump up and get the ball. Um, and he will be, if, if used correctly, he could be a monster. And I just think people are sleeping on him because of that college production. And I understand I just made the argument against Henry Ruggs against college pr- production. Now, depending on how you define breakout, his breakout, Donovan People Jones's breakout age is 19.5, 77th percentile, dependent on how you define breakout. But he still had a, a higher percentage of um, – targets and receiving yards and um, touchdowns than Henry Ruggs did because that Michigan just doesn't throw that often. They're more of a running offense, um, more of an RPO offense. So Henry Ruggs, or sorry, Jesus, Donovan Peoples-Jones' athleticism, I think translate very well to the NFL in terms of a guy who can go up and get it in the red zone and be a 50-50 ball guy down the field. Yeah, and and you know, furthermore, Peoples Jones had Shea Patterson for two years as his quarterback. Yep. Henry Ruggs had Tua Tungavailoa, so I mean, that's that's there's a big difference there as well. So, all right, guys, real quick before we wrap it up, Matt, give me a few tight ends that are worth drafting in this class because we know it's a down class. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start with nobody, and then um, we could take it from there. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, a couple guys just to keep an eye on. Harrison Bryant is the tight end one. Harrison Bryant, not Hunter Bryant. So we're talking about the Florida Atlantic guy. He's the number one in the draft guide. Um, You know, he's kind of underrated coming out of the Florida Atlantic Lane Kiffin system, but he's super athletic. Um, He got he had a high production there in his senior year. So he's definitely a guy to watch. Um, I love Jared Pinckney out of Vanderbilt. Um, Nobody really got to shine in the Vanderbilt offense this last year, but he probably projects better as a um, NFL tight end than a fancy tight end. Bryson Hopkins, he's an athletic guy. He's got a big body. He could be used as a pass catcher. And then just keep an eye on Adam Troutman. He's out of Dayton. You might not have heard of him, but he's an athletic guy. He, he looked really good on tape, um, but it was super grainy tape because he was playing against nobody. So, um, you know, really low end competition. It's hard to even get tape on him. So we'll have to see how that works. And then I love Hunter Bryant. He did not look good at the combine. He's taken a big dip because he came in overweight at the combine. He he tried to bulk up. It didn't work for him. I think he's going to drop 10 pounds. I don't think that was real weight. And But he's an athletic. He reminds me of Evan Ingram. Um, and, and that, to me, is the type of player I want for fantasy football. He's athletic. He's a good pass catcher. 
So those are some names. But the bottom line is, if you're waiting to draft a tight end in in uh, in this rookie class to save your fantasy football team, your your team's not savable. Yeah, and and of the guys you mentioned, I know Harrison Bryant's a guy that I was very high on. He had a tough combine as well, um, just didn't show very well, and uh, still a guy who I really liked his film a lot. So uh, a guy that uh, that I'll be keeping my eye on too as to where he goes. But all right, guys, so thank you so much for all that. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Before we go, Matt, can you please tell our listeners one more time where they can find your content, where they can find your podcast, and also you guys have the uh, the draft guy coming out when we can expect that, and where they can uh, the people our our listeners can find that yeah man i appreciate it i'm on twitter at the ff underscore educator i love just talking prospects talking draft talking fantasy football so go ahead give me a follow and uh and you know we'll just have some good chats back and forth uh the podcast is dynasty draft room like i said you know some weeks we're doing up to seven this week we'll have seven different episodes um just before i jumped on here i recorded a quarterback scouting episode uh me and zach got the opportunity to talk with mark schofield which was fantastic so, you know, that episode will probably be out by the time this one drops. So you're going to want to make sure to check that out. Uh, the, the draft guide, 91 player profiles. We break down all these traits I'm talking about. Each player gets graded on 10 traits. We go through their college stats. You get their high school recruiting profile. You get a summary of them. And then you get an updated version of the draft guide after the draft with a landing spot analysis and adjusted rankings for that. 91 players, um, you know, ranked out. And James, I know you'll appreciate this. We did not, you know, we didn't drop quarterbacks. So it's actually a super flex ranking system by default. So I think the listeners on here will particularly enjoy that part of it. Um, and you can get that dynastydraftroom.com that officially drops on March 15th. So if you're listening after March 15th, it is available dynastydraftroom.com. If you're listening before that, you can pre-order it and you save 10% with the pre-order. So, um, you know, go ahead and make sure to check that out. I'd really appreciate that. We put a lot of, uh, of sweat and tears and uh, sleepless nights into that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely be getting one. The 15th, I got it marked down here. So uh, so better be out by then, Matt. You you told me, 15th, it'll be available. So It's done. Um, it's done right now. We could drop right. it tonight, but I'm a man all of right. my word, and, you know. It's got to wait till the 15th. Fair enough. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. Thank you, Stompy, for all your great insight. And yeah, I want to give a special want to give a special thanks to Art and Soul Radio for the use of the song, The Addiction. Special thanks to Dynasty Week Football and the DLF family of podcasts, as well as the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Make sure to follow and send questions and trade polls to our podcast handle on Twitter, at Superflex Show. Um, when you do that, we can retweet them. We can get you more votes. We can also sometimes bring them on the show and analyze them as well. We can give our feedback. You can also... Make sure that you are following each and every one of the hosts here. Um, you can follow me at underscore James the Brain. You can follow Stompy at FF Stompy. You can follow John at Superflex Dude. You can follow Brian Har um, at Brian Har FF. And you can follow Ethan Turner at E Turner. FF underscore PT. FF underscore PT. I always get that one wrong. But make sure to follow all of us so we can, uh, you can tag us in your trade polls as well. We can retweet those and also, again, uh, potentially bring those on the show for um, for analyze, further analyzation. So thank you again for everybody. And above all else, stay sexy and super flexy. <laughs>